This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. Fight Back on Zoomer Radio continues. Here is Libby Snymer. We're back and we're talking about those terrible terror attacks in Belgium this week. Dozens have been killed, more than 100 injured after multiple explosions in Brussels Tuesday. Explosions went off at the airport in Brussels and on the underground subway. We've learned the identity of two suicide bombers. They were brothers, one suspect still at large. And some people are now talking about an ISIS terror network in Europe. What does it mean for us here? Well, on Tuesday, we were about to get into all of this with Ross McLean, security and counterterrorism expert. And just at that moment, we learned the very tragic news of Rob Ford's passing. So I am back now with Ross, who, who seems to have a knack for coming in the middle of breaking news. But we've had a couple of days to learn more about what went down in Belgium and what it means for us here. So first of all, the words used by the French Prime Minister and in Belgium is, we are at war. So are we here in Canada at war, and, and are we fighting that war the right way? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's something that we did have a chance to raise when I was in with you the last time, before we had a chance, as you say, with Rob Ford passing. I was so glad to be here to be able to share my uh, condolences about him as well. But we raised that right off the top, that yeah. this that the right words need to be used. We've been using the word terror finally now. We finally have all the world leaders using the word terror and terrorists, but they're not all using the W word, which is war. And it's funny, after doing a few interviews uh, on that, it was interesting to me that the Prime Minister came out with uh, Minister Dion the other day and explicitly said, we are not at war, and said, we are not at war. I'm not sure if, if that's in response to uh, what I'm trying to say to get the information out so that Canadians feel protected, but we most definitely are at war. And, uh, you know, the Prime Minister, he's doing the tour uh, today, making talks about this. He's being called out on it, not not just by me, but by everybody now, because the U.S. calls it war. France calls it war. Brussels feels they're at war. Uh, the U.S. has called it war. Uh, we've got NATO who is over there uh, looking at the stuff. We have NATO partners who are now engaged in war, which if they enacted the part of NATO, we'd be called in. We're, we're obligated to go to that war. So I, I think that's a very important distinction. This is more than just a conflict, as uh, the prime minister described it the other day. It's, it's very disconcerting to me uh, for the forces, knowing that the prime minister is calling it a conflict, when the U.S. is calling it genocide. I'm going to give out the numbers so we can hear what you think. 416-360-0740 or one 740 And we are talking about terrorism and the response to terrorism here in Canada. Ross, is this just a matter plain and simple of political correctness? That is part of it. There seems to be an unwillingness, and I've, I've talked about this before too, to use the language correctly. And, and part of the problem with North America is we don't have the language to talk about this. So I'll give you as an example. When, when the presidential candidate uh, Donald Trump used the word, we're going to keep all Muslims out, he didn't mean 
all Muslims everywhere. He, he, he's not going to I think write... he does mean it, actually. Well, no, I, let me tell you. Let me just tell you a little bit about this. What he's doing is he's using the simple words to get his message across. He's not writing legislation when he's running for office. You know, and I was mentioning this the other day as well, too. Someone like Donald Trump, there's no one more detail-oriented than the developer. I Trust me, I know if he goes to a city like Chicago or Toronto and Trump Tower is going up, he doesn't say to the developer, ah, give me 70 stories there and make it blue. You know, he knows about details. But the issues are we need to be able to distinguish between uh, God-loving, uh, peaceful Muslim people. We need to understand people who are radical Islamists and those who just like the political or the military part of the Koran. You know, it would be much like Christians who only live by the Old Testament without ever going to the New Testament for doing things. So uh, that's the challenge. We need the right words for it, and because you don't use the right words, it can sound bad. But the bad thing is, is the terrorism that's happening. That's the really evil thing. What should we be doing to protect ourselves here that we are not doing? Well, my biggest concern is the intelligence our community. The intelligence community, I believe, is doing excellent everywhere. I believe that they've got the information. Even now we're finding about these Brussels terrorists that they had, these people had been arrested before, they were on the radar, the intelligence people over there knew who they were, but yet nothing was done to preemptively stop them before they do the bombing. See, this is where if you treat terrorism as a police action, police typically respond after a crime happens to come in to charge somebody. But with, when you're dealing with what I will call acts of war, when you attack someone's parliament or you blow up an airport, something like that, you're dealing with acts of war terrorism, you have to preempt. That means as soon as before they happen, you've got to get these people and lock them up and find a way to deal with them. You can't deal with them after the fact. Well, I know that there were warnings, but I'm not sure that this was a matter where they simply didn't have the legal means. Well, no, it, it may actually be that they did not have the legal means. A few of the ministers over there have offered to resign today who were in charge of this file for terrorism. Uh, you know, they, they looked before at this. France, post the, uh, the attacks in Paris, they turned around, they put in their own Emergency Measures Act that allows them to execute search, uh, searches without getting warrants, to be able to arrest people, to hold people, uh, to wiretap people. And the first things that happened after Paris took place was they were kicking in doors all over France of people they had intelligence on and getting them. What happened here with Brussels, once they caught that Paris bomber, the one who, was, who, who they arrested, yes. that scared the rest of them. That They, they thought, uh-oh, if this guy talks, they're going to come and pop us. So they actually, it, it appears they actually rushed uh, a little bit to do this, this thing that they had planned with the airport and the train stations. They rushed to do that. Let's take a call. We've got Walter in Hamilton. Hi, Walter. Yes, good. Uh, thank you. Um, what I want to comment about on the subject of what happened in Europe is that our prime minister is a fine man, but I disagree. I agree we are at war for sure, and I'll tell you why. Um, primarily, I was watching a document on the History Channel about the 1930s as to how Hitler managed to uh, gain foothold and how he spread throughout Europe, igniting World War II. And they did the same thing. They showed the, the map of Europe back then, and they showed the areas that Hitler conquered one after the other, like Germany. They showed a, a swastika flag, and it was spread out to the other countries as he spread out his forces. And just a couple of weeks ago, I saw the very same thing. 
another document, and this time it was on the news. And uh, in the news, they were doing the same thing. They showed a black flag where the ISIS have uh, established their, their roots, so to speak. And as they tried to spread around there, too, they were showing other countries where black flag starts to pop up. And that really scared me to heck because I could see the same pattern, and it's the same pattern that Hitler uses years ago in the 1930s and it's the same pattern i see right now as we speak walter yeah. you know what walter i'm going to say this you're very astute when you make that observation because the middle east has been referred to as being a chessboard libby it's been referred that way and the the key countries that are being taken over in fact do follow that pattern so the, the listeners are very astute on that oh, we go okay but i mean still i find it quite unnerving to see that so some to me it seems that uh, uh, we have to stop this before it goes any further, because to me, war like this or that kind of uh, behavior is like an antisocial cancer. It just spreads in society and destroys humanity. We have to stop it. I think most of us agree that we have to stop ISIS. Walter, thank you very much for your insights. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with more of your calls and more from Ross McLean. The numbers before we go, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back. I'm here with security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. We're talking about those terrible terror attacks in Belgium this week. We are going to take your calls. But first, one of the explanations that I heard about why this case is underscoring that it's getting more difficult is that ISIS is now starting to recruit people with criminal pasts. And that can confuse police or authorities who are looking into it that these people, the last ones, you know, they were basically petty criminals. Yeah, that's part of the problem is, is who they're recruiting and how they're doing it. And interestingly enough, you know, the profile of these terrorists who get recruited like this outside of the ones who come directly from Syria are actually second generation immigrants. So what happens is people leave from that area, they go, they move to a new country like Brussels, they're in Brussels. These guys were born there. Right. But yep. they live there with their parents, but they don't assimilate. So they grow up with socioeconomic problems. They grow up with a, uh, a living a lifestyle that's kind of counter to the lifestyle they're with. They don't like the place they're at. They become disaffected. And then they look to this terrorism as something to do with a way to make things right in their life. So they're the most uh, likely ones to turn into these sort of homegrown, we're calling them terrorists, second-generation immigrants. Well, yes, that's a problem. And one of the things we face here is... What is the danger of that here? Because we've all seen that. The, the one thing I will say to that, you know, we hear all these explanations there. They're disaffected. They're not accepted in society. They don't have a great future. They're economically challenged. The fact is that a lot of people are in that situation and, and they don't become terrorists and kill innocent people. But let's take some of the calls. We have people who have been waiting for quite a while Christina in Toronto. Hi, Christina. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I've been following the investigation of the Brussels attacks. 
and uh, heard an interesting comment by an expert. I believe the last name was Oxley, uh, currently at the University of Rhode Island in the States, commenting on the, the complication, the complexities, rather, of mixing these bombs up because of the items that they're using, basically acetone and hydrogen peroxide. And apparently anybody who's worked with this or, or maybe even handles it has a particular odor attached to them. So maybe the more, more most immediate um, help to uh, stop these attacks anywhere in the world would to have uh, sniffer dogs. Yeah, the, the caller's uh, reasonably right about that. Here, here's the issue with it. They're absolutely right. They're using a commonly uh, obtainable materials you can buy at any Walmart. In fact, when we had the 2010 uh, G20 here, there was someone arrested who was collecting that stuff, and they said they were doing it to tweak the authorities, and they were charged with having bomb I remember equipment. that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's how easy it is to get to look after it. Uh, it does. It, so it does have a smell to it when, it when it's crystallized and put together and made into these belts that you're using in these suitcase bombs. Uh, it does not smell as much. It is very difficult to detect. And you're right. They are starting to use sniffer dogs for that, though, to try and pick it up. So that's the problem with this bomb. Your caller, once again, you got some great uh, listeners on this station. Uh, they'll be I'm very smart. If, like the sniffer dog program can be accelerated in some. I know it takes a long time to train these dogs. Yeah, it takes it takes a long time. They're they're graduating them all the time. I just watched the NYPD just graduated, I think, twenty sniffer dogs just for that. They'll follow people okay. in the airport and they'll look but for that. My other comment is perhaps in this heightened atmosphere that we're all experiencing for obvious reasons, that um, people have to present an airline ticket. Maybe these people didn't have an airline ticket. Anybody can go into an airport. That's the that's well. The Problem. Yeah, the, the the other point there is the Brussels airport has was particularly lax with security. Just a month or so before, they called in some Israeli consultants, and you can get nobody better on airports than the Israelis for of looking course. at it. They, they came in and they pointed out several, several uh, discrepancies well, and some must-need-to-fix urgently things. They hadn't got them done what yet. What so. waiting for? I'm sorry to be that cynical, you know? Well, this I is mean, a problem. They're accusing if these. If the, you have the, any business being in the airport, and I'm sorry to restrict it to ticket holders, not like, you know, families uh, waiting to greet their, you know, arriving members or whatever. Well, um, you, you know, we've I, we've we've had sec- to do right now. We've had security problems with people who worked in airports. That's true. What was that? I'm that case was a week ago. Public. Yeah, the, the guy, the guy who stabbed the Canadian Armed Forces member, used to work at the airport. And listen, I used to pick up VIPs and people under terror threats at the airports, right. and and it's uh, you have to coordinate it and be smart about how you do it and in and out quick because they're they're there. Okay, my comment is unless you've got a ticket coming into the airport, these guys just walked into the airport, right? Well, they this, had no reason to be there. Yeah, this is uh, what we're learning is I know access there's control. There's a lot of issues with civil liberties and such. Yeah, well, that's that's you know that that's the big question is well, do you how want, much? Okay, how much do um, we change I, our way of life? It's a way of life, and you need to protect yourself in certain instances. And I don't want to sound like George Bush or anybody like that. Again, there's so many open spaces that you have to say. Um, you know, why have you got suitcases 
if you don't have a plane ticket. You know, when it comes to dealing with these issues that range from uh, assaults and crimes all the way up to terrorism, you need different levels of response. When I was on the police department, and when I used to pick teams for close protection teams for people, sometimes right. I'd pick the big tough guys because I needed the big tough guys. Other times I used to use women with, within the detail for doing surveillance. So, you yeah. know, yeah, we, you have to use the right level of response for the threat that you're faced. And definitely consult with the experts who are the Israelis. Okay, we'll pass that message along and then maybe listen to their recommendations. Christina, thank you for your call. And thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dolores, in Little Britain, you have a question or a comment about the financing of ISIS. Yeah. Hi, Libby. Hi, Rob. Um, When you hear of any crimes, major crimes being committed... The common term is follow the money, and I wonder who's financing these people. Great question. A lot of the financing that originally came up came through the selling of the oil that they had captured when they had taken it. Since that time, it's been found out that the, uh, you know, Turkey, which is supposed to be a NATO ally, the son of the president there was accused of selling the oil. He was also just recently imprisoned in Italy for money laundering. Guess what? They bust him out, Libby, from the jail. The mob, the mob came and bust him out, got him to a hotel. The Saudis went in, gave him a Saudi diplomatic passport, took him to the airport, took him out of the country. So some of the, some of the funding is coming that way. Another piece, they had just popped a couple of people down in the U.S. for uh, funding and working with Iran. Popped, arrested? Arrested. Hundreds of millions of dollars for, yeah, that's my little bit of my cop talk for doing that. But they arrested them for it, uh, doing money around the world. Guess what? Some of that money actually was filtered through Canada. That hasn't come out yet. There's a Canadian company that was laundering some of that money. I don't know if they did it willingly or not. So, yeah, the financing is absolutely important. You have money, you can't afford to uh, fight the wars. Well, and let's not forget about the countries that finance terrorism, that finance extremists. We're talking about... Our allies, Saudi Arabia, we're talking about Iran. There was just this great big deal with Iran that everybody says is wonderful. Well, Iran finances terrorism. Yeah, and that's the the, the Sunni-Shia divide. Iran, exactly. Iran is Shia. The other part is Sunni, and they don't like each other. And Syria is the one in the middle that is a majority Sunni country run by a Shia dictator. So this is where the problem's been. Well, my question is, if everybody knows where the money uh, is coming from, why don't they go after the people who are giving the money to these people? Well, I'll tell you what Vladimir Putin said about that. He absolutely said that at one of the G20 meetings. He talked about that. And when Russia came in, they went right in and bombed the oil right away. The U.S. was not bombing the oil. And you've seen the U.S.'s position change on this from we're going to deteriorate ISIS, they're not going to wipe them out, they're going to deteriorate it, to finally now President Obama is saying we're going to take them out and finish them. Because they wanted ISIS, actually, because they were going after the president of a country that they wanted change. So that's some of the issue. There's a lot of conflicting priorities here. Yeah. Well, all we can do, I guess, is just pray that somebody gets them at some point. Amen to that. Amen to that. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. We only have uh, less than a minute left, so, Ross, just some uh, concluding thoughts on this whole question on what this means for us here. Well, what it means for us here, they've they've established there's a network of over 5,000 ISIS fighters that they believe are in Europe. Uh, they're adding 400 more to that is what intelligence is saying. We know that here in Canada, the RCMP has ended, identified a couple of hundred people who are on the travel watch list, not necessarily the radical watch list, the travel watch list. So that means we probably have a pretty good network of people here 
that could turn on us at any time. So I'm hoping to see that uh, the RCMP gets more support on this and CSIS and more money. They did not in the budget. They didn't get any money in the budget for that. They're going to need it because the intelligence is very much driven with manpower doing surveillance, not just the electronic signals. And, and as you pointed out right at the beginning of this conversation, part of the problem is the people at the top who are not recognizing what we're dealing with here. Justin Trudeau, Stéphane Dion, that means you. Step up. You can still be true to your values, but step up and do what you have to do to protect the country. Ross McLean, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from 11 to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.